This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'd like to go reading from Matthew. And so um, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. You know, when we have a look at Christmas, the wonderful thing about Christmas is everything is focused on Jesus. And it's basically, it's a celebration of the birth, the gift of Jesus to us. And so it always becomes the focus of everything and it remains the focus of everything. But all too often people focus on the Mary side of the story as opposed to the Joseph side of the story. And so not being one given to expectation, let's do some things a little bit differently. So Matthew chapter one, verses 19. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you shall name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph's life was in a state of turmoil because he was young. Anybody who's been in their late teens and early 20s, when you fall in love and you kind of get into that little dizzy mode, you know, it's like you're a little bit detached from reality. Everything's happy and like, he was in that mode. I mean, he had met the girl of his dreams and they were in love and they were about to get married and everything was wonderful and everybody was celebrating and everybody was saying, aren't they just a wonderful couple? And he was God doing all of his next. And the next thing you know, Mary comes and says to him, you know what? I must tell you something, Joseph. <laughs> and he really had no clue what was coming. And she said, you know what? I'm expecting. And he was like, oh, okay. And then she goes on and tells him the rest of the story. He, I don't think he really listened to the rest. That was about as far as he got. <laughs> And he was trying to digest this and he's sitting and he's thinking about this and he's thinking, I can't go forward with this. I, I can't, I, I hear what she's saying and I hear what she's telling me, but there's a reality that I can't get beyond. And he looks at it and he says, I might really love you. And because I love you so much, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I think I can find a way where I can kind of dissolve this arrangement and we can go our separate ways so that it's not high profile. So he's plotting and he's scheming how he can get out of this arrangement. Because at that stage, when you said that you were engaged to somebody, it was basically a marriage that's already happened without the actual ceremony. So in, in everybody's eyes in society, they were basically married. So he's looking at divorcing and moving out and he's contemplating all of this stuff and he's thinking about how he's able to extricate himself from an arrangement that he sees as being problematic. This is the challenge with it. The challenge is this. Anytime we go into life and we explore life and we gain an interpretation of events outside of God's context, we run the risk of misinterpreting what's happening. And when we misinterpret what's, what's happening, we end up making choices and decisions and we adopt a course of action, which is very often outside of what God is wanting to do. What's so wonderful about when God created us was this. You are created as a spiritual person having a natural experience. 
a spiritual person having a natural experience. What it means is it becomes important for us to recognize the fact that we are two-dimensional beings. We have our natural dimension, which is me and my interpretation and my life and my humanity. And that becomes really important to me. But we also have the spiritual dimension. And the spiritual dimension has an influence in who I am. And when I navigate life, the way that I can navigate life holistically and completely is when I'm able to recognize and live from both parts of my dimension. Both of them need to have influence in the way that I interpret life, the way that I see events, and the way that I move forward. Because if I don't, I always run the risk of misinterpreting what's happening, and then I'm going to do the wrong thing. He's looking at the situation and he's interpreting what's going on here and he's thinking about it. And then the angel comes and the angel speaks to him and says, wake up, Joseph. You have two dimensions. Okay. If you're going to interpret what's happening here, you're going to completely miss what God's doing. The greatest miracle, that, one of the greatest miracles that was about to happen, that he had the opportunity to be a part of, he was about to walk away from. God is many times wanting to do things in our lives and we can't interpret what's going on because we're looking at it through human eyes as opposed to spiritual eyes. So we run the risk of missing what God is wanting to do and we run the risk of stepping outside of what God is about to deliver into the situation because we're missing an interpretation that's of him. It's really important for us to recognize the fact that as human beings, we operate in two dimensions, the natural and the spiritual, and both of those need to come into play. And so he comes into this place and the angel says to him, Joseph, wake up, you halfwit. Listen, open your eyes. What Mary is telling you is true. But what's about to happen in this place is you're about to realize the greatest gift that the world has ever known, Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That's interesting. The child was born, but the son was given. You see, the son existed before time was ever conceived the son was part of the godhead and so when it came time where it said you know what we need to and we want to be at a place where we can marry god with man son where are you we have to create an opportunity and the father said what i'm going to do is i'm going to give the son but he has to be born in flesh the child was born and the reason the child was born so that the son could be given it's important for us because in that very simple analogy and in that very simple um, truth that took place becomes a powerful principle. That's how God works. God is a good God and God gifts all the time. God lives out of a dimension called grace. Grace is the goodness of God and God gifts all the time. And in God's gifting, he's going to give to you. And you are going to conceive in your heart, but you are going to have to birth it into your world. God will gift, but you're going to birth. Psalm chapter, I think it's 19 and verse 14. 
says, let the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable in his sight. You know what it means. He's sitting saying, I'm looking at a way that you and I can operate, a way in, in which you and I can marry ourselves together, a way in which I can gift to you, but you can birth. Let the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable to him. What it's saying is the things that you meditate on are the things that you're incubating. Anything that you're meditating on on the inside of you is what you're incubating. Let it be acceptable to him. Anything that you're meditating on, you're nurturing on the inside of you. Where did that seed come from? Because if it didn't come from him, it came from outside of him. The thing is, the longer that you meditate on that, the longer you incubate it, the longer you nurture it, the bigger it grows. And there comes a point in your life where you're going to open your mouth and something's going to come out. And the minute you take something that's alive on the inside of you and you speak it out of your mouth, you've just given birth to it. That's how spiritual, spiritual principles work. God gifts and I speak. I give birth to it. Let the words of your mouth be acceptable. Be careful about what you say. Be guarded about what you say. Anything that is in contradiction to what he's looking for and what he wants in your life, zip it because you don't birth it. You don't birth it. The way you birth it is when you speak it out. You've just taken it and you've introduced it into the natural realm. Are you with me this morning? This is a good thing. This is not a serious thing. God's actually, I promise you, I'm going to show you God's really, really good. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. The reason that Emmanuel is important is because Emmanuel speaks about God with us. And from our perspective, there's a reason to be joyful. There's a reason to celebrate because it means that we get to know God. We get to feel what it is to live with God. And we celebrate that dimension because it's really important for us. But there's another side to that coin. And the other side to the coin is this. God wanted to know what it was like to be man. God had no clue what it was to be man. God lives from one dimension, which is spirit. That's what, that's what God is. He had no clue what it was to be man. And so when, when the son became flesh, all of a sudden what ended up happening is he moved into a space where it was like, you know what? I have choices. I can do some things. He realized that in that space, what it was to be man. The reason that he walked the way that we did and never sinned was because he wanted to be at a place where he could empathize with everything that you go through. He went through every category of challenge that you can possibly imagine, every single one of them. And what it means is he can relate to you. So when you go to him and you sit and say, this is what's happening in my life. This is what I'm experiencing in my life. This is what's going on right now. He has a look at that and he's like, I know what it's like. I've been there. I've been there. I know what you're going through. Not only do I know what you're going through, I can feel what you're going through. There is an empathy that's alive on the inside of God because he's able to relate to us at both, at both an emotional level and a rational level. He sees that and he feels what it's like to be in the situation. Some things, two things that are really important about that is this. Well, let me just say this. It says that he did all of that and he experienced everything we did, but he never sinned. Do you know what that means? It means in every one of those situations, he overcame and was more than a conqueror. 
In every one of those situations, he walked through it. If you're going to learn anything in life, find somebody who's successful. If, you, if, you, if you're wanting to learn how to drive, don't go and speak to one of your friends when you're 16 years old. And honestly, they've had a number of fender benders, a couple of accidents, and they've been almost locked up twice because they've been caught for speeding. That's not the right person to go to to ask how it is that you can please, please teach me how to drive. If you want to learn how to drive, find an exceptional driver. If you want to know how to walk through life, find somebody who's overcome. What he's saying to you is he never sinned. He overcame in every situation. In every situation that he was confronted with, he knew it, he realized it, he faced it head on, and he overcame it. And so when he comes into it and he meets us in that space and we talk to him about what's happening in our life, he's not only able to move into that space and empathize with us and feel how we feel, but he moves into it and he says, you know what, I'm going to give you some direction. I'm going to introduce you to what it means to to experience the Savior, because in that space, he's able to take us to a place of deliverance, to a place of overcoming, to a place of being more than a conqueror. He doesn't just empathize with us because empathy just leaves me where I am. He says, I'm going to give you something more. I'm going to give you a roadmap out of where you are. Emmanuel is the greatest Christmas gift you can have. God with us. What it says to us is, God is with you. Anything you're going through today, any challenge that you may face, I've got good news for you. God is with you. I don't care where you are today, and you may feel that nobody can relate to you, and perhaps nobody understands you, and maybe you feel as though you're navigating life alone. You're not. God is with you. It's not just that God is with you. It's that God is with you. It's so easy to say, oh, God's with you. Oh, thanks, Paul, and on we go. And Merry Christmas to you too. God is with you. When we have a deep appreciation for the truth of what that really means and the fact that the fullness of his being and the fullness of who he is is available and accessible to us all through my life, it'll change everything. What he's saying to us is this. I want to journey through life with you. I want to feel what it is that you're feeling. And I want you to feel my presence with you. I want you to know that I understand everything that you're going through. I want you to know that I can relate to the circumstances and situations. I know the struggles that you might be in. I know the heartbreak that you might be feeling. I understand the fact that you have dreams and aspirations. I know all of those things. So if you come to me and you journey through life because God is with you, you'll be amazed at what could happen. Amazed at what could happen. Joseph is not the only Joseph in the Bible. There's another Joseph. Joseph was the father of Jesus. But there was another Joseph who had a dream. God gave him a dream more than once. And God spoke to him about the fact that God wanted to take him and God had a plan and a purpose for his life and God was going to elevate him and God was going to move him to a place of influence, to a place of authority, a place where he would have the opportunity to have influence over nations. I mean, who's not going to be upset about that? I mean, who's going to be, who is going to be upset about that? What a wonderful thing. And he celebrated that. 
The funny thing about it is, his celebration was short-lived because it didn't take terribly long before he found himself in a place where he was removed from his house, his home, his place of safety. His dad, who loved him to bits, who was, he was the apple of his dad's eye, was no longer in the picture. His brothers hated him. All of them couldn't stand him. And actually, there was serious consideration of murdering him. But fortunately, there happened to be some people passing by and they were like, you know what? We could probably make a bit of money off him. Let's sell him. So they sold him. And they took him off and they took him into Egypt. And he found himself in Egypt and here he is. And he's standing as a slave on the auction block. Now, in those days, when you were a slave and you were up for auction, you got up there and you were naked and you were bound. And that was it. Because if I'm coming to bid on you, I want to see what I'm getting. I want to see if you've got muscles or scratches. I want to see if you've got, they've got issues. So he's standing on the auction block, about to be sold into slavery. And it's quite interesting, because in that moment, the Bible says something so interesting. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 2, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He's standing there having lost everything. He doesn't even have the shirt on his back. And God looks at him, and God says, I am with you. You are a prosperous man. You see, God is more interested in you than you being overrun by the blessing. When God looked at him, God saw him as blessed, even though he had nothing. Why? Because he had a second dimension. Because the problem with it is, every time we interpret our situations and where we are through the natural without realizing that God is with me. And with God's perspective, I'm going to have a very different view on what's happening in my life. I look at the situation and all I do is I see everything being lost. But when I look at it from the God's perspective, when I look at it from his dimension, suddenly I look and I say, but God is with me. Boy, am I prosperous. Why? Because it doesn't matter where you are right at that moment. Things happen and things change. You see, wherever you find yourself today and whatever, you, wherever you, you, whatever your challenges might be, what you, I want you to understand is this. You are a natural person, which is one dimension, but you have a God who's traveling with you, which is the second dimension. It's important that you integrate both of those things into your equation because if you don't, you're going to have a look at your life and you're going to sit and say, it's in turmoil. It's in tragedy. Everything's in such a bad place. Why? Because my interpretation is simply natural. But when I start to interpret it through God's eyes, I begin to see some things that are happening, some things that are in transition, some building blocks that are being put in place, some places that God is moving me into that, you know what, I couldn't step into on my own. God gives us something so wonderful. 
but it's a dangerous tool. It's something called reason. Our ability to understand. Our ability to understand is very important to us because it gives us an understanding and a grasp of the realities that we face. And it's a tool that we need to use. And whether we want to or not, all of us are going to use it to a greater or lesser degree. The thing about it is never use the tool without including the second dimension in it. Because otherwise what ends up happening is my idea and my concept of what's happening in my reality is purely defined by what I can see and what I can interpret. And so the limitations of where I am and where I can go and what the possibilities are are excluded from the equation because I'm looking at it purely from one dimension. But when I take that dimension and when I take my reason and I take reason and I baptize it in the second dimension, when I take reason and I allow God who is with me to influence that space, all of a sudden what happens is my perspective opens and I start to see possibilities that never simply existed in the natural realm. Why? Because God is a God of the second dimension. He is not limited by what we see. And if you'll include him in your equation, if you'll include him in your perspective, things will shift and things will change. The challenge that we have is this. We've spent a lifetime developing trust in myself. I can trust myself because I've learned not to trust anybody else. And because I don't trust anybody else, that includes God. So I can trust myself. The problem is this, unless you're able to trust him, you're never able to access the second dimension and allow what is in the second dimension to have influence in your world. The way we access the second dimension and the way that we allow God who is with me to have access to my life and my circumstances is through trust. Trust is so important. God is going to bless you before he blesses your life. God is going to bless you before he blesses your life. When God, when Jesus came into the world, he was conceived of the spirit, but he was born of the flesh. He was conceived of the spirit, but he was born of the flesh. You know what that means? It means that Jesus operated like us as humans with two clear dimensions. He had two natures that were a part of who he was. They were separate and they were distinct, but he had two of them. That's why when they talk about Jesus, they talk about him as being the son of man. It's talking about his humanity. But at the same time, they talk about him as the son of God. Why? Because it's talking about his deity. He was God made flesh. It's important for us because Jesus was here and he was sitting saying, I want you to know, I know what it's like to live from two dimensions. He didn't know before then. God doesn't have two dimensions. God has one. God is spirit. Bam. But when he stepped into flesh, all of a sudden he had two dimensions. And in that space, what he was able to say is, you know what? Watch me because I'm going to model some stuff for you. I'm going to show you what it is to be human, but to live from the second dimension. Not my will, but thine be done. And every place that he moved and every place that he went, he was able to choose to live from God in me. And the result of it was he lived a life of prosperity. Everything he touched was prosperous. Why? Because the second dimension came into play. God with me came into play. 
one of the most dangerous things we have is another tool called choice. You can choose. You have two dimensions. So God says, you know what? You can choose how you would like to live. Would you like to live from God with you or would you like to live from your own dimension? Do you want to live from prosperity or do you want to live outside of prosperity? Do you want to live from blessing or do you want to live from, I'll just take care of it myself? We have choices all the time. The challenge with it is this. Because we have choices, what we do is we take that reality and we project it onto God and we think God has choices. And so because we project it onto God, we think God can choose whether he wants to bless us or not. We think God can choose whether he's going to be nice to us today or not. We think that God can choose whether he wants to put goodness into our life today or not. You're wrong. God has no choice. Why does he have no choice? Because that's not who he is. God does not have two distinct natures and he chooses what to live from. He has one nature, which is him. He is good. He is light. He is love. He is goodness in all of its form. And every time I touch who he is, I touch prosperity. Prosperity means everything that God is and the fullness of who he is comes in and touches me and my situations and circumstances. It changes it. I prosper because of who he is. He doesn't need anything. He is completely self-sufficient. He is the all-sufficient one. And when the all-sufficient one comes into our circumstances, he brings in his all-sufficiency. And when his all-sufficiency arises, his all-sufficiency manifests itself. And all of a sudden, I'm blessed. Why? Because he's one-dimensional. He has one nature, goodness. And anytime goodness and life and love comes in, it manifests itself as blessing, healing, deliverance, restoration, restitution, righteousness, more than an overcomer. Everything I put my hand to prospers. What's happening? All of a sudden, I'm beginning to realize an expression of who he is in my life. He is so diverse and he's so full. And what he wants you to do is to journey through life. And as you journey through life, you may be standing on the block naked and you may have absolutely nothing in the natural. But he looks at you and he says, you know what? The Lord is with you. You are prosperous. It's just a question of time because things are going to change. Why? Because when the greater one is with me, things happen in my life. I can't help it. When the greater one and the self-sufficient one all of a sudden presents himself and he touches my life and my circumstances and my relationships, things happen. It's not because of me. It's because I journey with God. It's because I'm aware of the second dimension because I'm plugged into that place because I'm looking for him with regularity. When you discover the goodness of God, you'll learn to live out of the favor of God. Discover the goodness of God and you'll live under the favor of God. Why? When I know all he is, is the all-sufficient one. I live in the expectation that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, something's going to happen. He can't help it. It's who he is. It's like light. You just have to open the door a little bit and it comes in. Why? It's just what it is. It's nature. You touch God and things will happen. So Joseph finds himself at a place where he's ready to go into slavery. But God is with him. But God is with him. God has prepared a future for you. 
thing about it is, he has to prepare you for your future. Your future's ready. Your future's ready. But you're not. You're not. Why am I not ready? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> In order for God to bless you, you have to be able to inherit the blessing that he gives to you. And you need to be able to steward the blessing that he gives to you effectively. The challenge with it is this. All of us have had to walk through a minefield called childhood. All of us walk through a minefield called our formative years. And the reason it's so big in your life is because at that very time when you were walking through something that was so volatile, that was so unpredictable, your framework for life was being developed. And so at the same time that you're walking through the minefield, you're developing an identity as to how life is, how life works. You're establishing this framework all the time. And the challenge with it is, for too many of us, God was absent at that time because we hadn't met him. Or if we had met him, perhaps we were really young. But some stuff happened in your life. Oh, what a shock to know that everyone has skeletons in the closet. <laughs> the problem with it is, it's not just the case that I walked through the minefield. The minefield created a framework from which I live life. And many, many, many years later, I still find myself living from PTSD. What happened? There's stuff that happened back in that place. Some of it was real, but some of it was perceived. It doesn't have to be real. Your perception when you're younger is as dangerous as the reality itself because you interpreted it as real and you used it to develop that framework. So the problem with it is we're going through life now and we're going through life with a framework that's a little bit wobbly, a little bit put to together with a little bit of gum and a little bit of glue here and there. But it's not exactly in place and it has a tendency to wobble and sometimes it collapses in areas. We end up in a place where our foundation is not as solid as what it should be. It's put together with a whole mix of different things. And some places are a little bit better than others, but some places creak. And some places don't step on those floorboards because you'll probably go right through them. Why is it a problem? Because God's trying to bless you and try, God's trying to put some stuff in your life, but I don't have a solid foundation to build it on. And every time I get one of his blessings and I try to move into it in a healthy and constructive way, what ends up happening is there's a storm. And the minute the storm comes, the, everything starts to wobble. The framework is wobbly. The foundation is wobbly. And before I know it, the blessing gets washed away. I can't get into good friendships. Why? Because I don't have the capacity to be able to do that. Because I love you just as long as this happens. But the minute that happens, I'm going to bite. What happened? It was a blessing. But the foundation was wobbly. And so it cost me the blessing. God is going to do something and bless you before he blesses your environment. Why? Because I want you to inherit your future. I want you to be free from PTSD. 
I want you to live in a place where you know what? All of that stuff that used to be a part of your past, all of those things that are still so sensitive in your life, all of those things that are a reality to you, even though they happened so long ago, they're alive on the inside of you, but they don't have to be. Because if I can take those things and I can introduce you to fullness, if I can introduce you to wholeness, if I can step you through those so that you get to a place where all of a sudden, you know what? I'm secure and I'm solid. I've just developed a foundation on the rock. When you have a foundation on the rock, I can step into God's blessing. Not only can I step into it, I can bring it into my life. I can inherit it. I can put it on my foundation and I can build into my future from that place. God's wanting you to inherit your future. But until we get to the place where we take care of some of that stuff on the inside, the problem is we just end up having to, we end up losing our blessing. Here's the gist of everything. The reason that the minefield exists is for one purpose only. To steal your trust. The reason it exists is to put you at a place where you know what? I don't trust anyone. And that includes God. Because Satan knows the only way you access him is through trust. And if I can keep you at a place where you don't trust him, you'll never walk into the fullness of what he has for you. That's my responsibility. He's prosperous. He's looking to bless us. He has everything available. One of the biggest things in our life with God is your relationship with your father growing up. It sets the framework for how we relate to paternal figures. And that includes God. And when that is wobbly, because dad didn't do things right. God, dad wasn't there when I needed him. God didn't, God, dad didn't affirm me the way that he should have. Dad abandoned me. What ended up happening? All of those things contributed to a perception of who God is. And the thing about it is I couldn't trust him in those spaces because I didn't know whether he was going to be there or not. I didn't know how he was going to react or respond in those places. I never felt his affirmation in my life. I never felt that I was valuable to him. And because of those things, I didn't trust him. And so now I get into a relationship with God, but I can't give you my trust because I don't know what's going to happen. We go through life and we feel so insecure about ourselves. All of us do in various, various environments. I don't, I don't recognize the value of who I am. And when I look at myself in some of those environments, I really just, I, I do one of two things. Either I want to run and hide because I don't want people to really see me because I don't think I have anything to offer. Or the other thing that I do is I start to re- walk, work really hard and become a perfectionist. Because you may not celebrate me, but if you see what I do, at least I'll have some affirmation. Yeah. Or, I do one of th- or I do both. I run out and do something, and then I go and hide. Why? Because I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody. Because my life when I was younger, I realized that when I let people in, they hurt me. So I don't trust them. It's all a question of trust. Why? Because he knows if you can place your trust in him, all things are possible to you. If I can steal your trust and if I can sabotage it through the environment, if I can maim it through the minefield, you will live with PTSD forever. 
And you can hear about God is with me, but I can't relate to him. I can't connect with him. I can't experience him. Why? Post-traumatic. He comes to do something inside of you. And you're going to feel his prosperity, his wholeness, his goodness inside of who you are before he ever introduces you to the future that's blessed for you. The wonderful thing about it is God knew that when he came into that space, the framework was going to exist. So you know what he says? I've got a solution. This is God. He's always 10 steps ahead of us. And what does he do? He says, I want you to renew your mind. I want you to renew your mind. You know what that means? When I met you, I cleaned up everything. I fixed up your nature. I gave you my nature. You're a brand new creation in Christ. The thing about it is you got some memories that are stuck there that are kind of way back from wherever. They've been sitting in the trunk. Okay, so let's open the trunk and let's see what's in there. Let's make them new. <coughs> let's open the trunk and let's take out everything that's broken, everything that's wobbly, everything that's not functioning the way that God intended, and let's introduce it to wholeness. The invitation is to have the mind of Christ. You know what the mind of Christ is? An identity that is grounded and rooted in the greater one is with me. It is a mindset that's grounded and rooted in prosperity. It's who he is. It's who he's made me to be. I'm whole. I'm free. I'm delivered. I'm righteous. I'm as good as I'm ever going to be. And every time something pops out of my trunk from my past, it's okay. I know that he's made provision for it. When God speaks about that process, it's an interesting thing because he talks about that process in the context of something what we call metamorphosis. We all know about it. It's like when you have the silkworm and everybody keeps thinking silkworms when they're kids. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. But they go and chomp on their leaves and then they, um, they don't weave a cocoon. What if they do? Yeah, good enough. You got the gist. They create a cocoon and it goes into the cocoon and what ends up happening? The caterpillar goes in, but the butterfly comes out. We like to celebrate that. And that's a good thing. It's the right thing because it creates a paradigm for us. It gives us an analogy of what God's trying to do. But I want you to know something. When that butterfly comes out of that cocoon, that's not an easy exercise. When the butterfly comes out of the cocoon, the cocoon keeps it inhibited and limited in where it used to be. And that butterfly has to fight to get out of that cocoon. And it wiggles and it moves and it bites and it does everything that it needs to do to be able to move through the cocoon so that it can get free, so that it can fly, so that it can do that everything that God created it to be. But there is a fight that takes place. I want you to know something. God has created an opportunity for you to step into wholeness, but it doesn't just, God is not a genie that just flashes a little magic wand. What he says is, I've created opportunity for you, but you've got to grab hold of it. You've got to do something. Oh, well, I've always behaved like this. I know, it's your natural. That's your trunk speaking. I don't live from what my trunk says. All of a sudden, he's invited me to something new. So start stepping into it. Oh, it doesn't feel comfortable because you're getting out of the cocoon. It's not supposed to feel comfortable. The problem with it is we've developed a whole bunch of life skills around my dysfunction. 
And so when I start stepping out of the cocoon, it's uncomfortable because all of a sudden everything has to shift. I'm so used to my codependent behavior. I can't believe I have to do this and tell them no. I might hurt their feelings. Yep. You're too old to be in a nest. Why? I don't know where you are and what God's going to do. What I'm telling you is this. Step out and do something. I'll tell you, this is for, this is for the men out there in particular. We have a tendency to be very functional. And we don't always be, give enough credit to our heart and what's important on the inside there. But I can tell you something. The fundamentals of what build relationship, the glue in a relationship, comes from love, not from performance. And if you can't open your heart, you're going to find it really difficult to, to engage in a meaningful whole relationship. Do some stuff you've never done before. Get out there and go and buy your wife flowers and take them on a romantic dinner. Well, we don't do stuff like that. I don't do stuff like that. Of course you don't do it because you're in the cocoon. Get out of the cocoon. That's the whole point. Get out and do something you never did. If I live forever in the cocoon, I want to know why my life doesn't change because you never got out. A savior who is Christ the Lord is right there waiting for you. And the minute you start moving, I promise you, he's there to pull you out. He's there to undergird you. He's there to introduce you to what it is. And yes, it may feel uncomfortable and funny because it's different and it's not normal for you. But normal is part of your past. Abnormal feeling is part of your future. Live with it long enough and it'll become your new norm. There are people that are way too... Now, this is for the woman. See, I can say stuff like that because I don't believe in political correctness. So. <laughs> If you don't like it, turn it off. Don't be too emotionally driven. Be careful because we have a tendency to react and not respond. And so what ends up happening is the blessing in your life gets sabotaged. Why? <laughs> don't indulge your kids. Your responsibility is to grow them up and to put them in a place where they can engage life from a perspective of being whole and complete in him, not in you. You teach them how to move through life so they can be independent and self-sufficient with the greater one walking with me. If they need you as a crutch, you haven't done a good job. It means you've introduced them to codependency. And what that means is, you know what? I can't go forward without the crutch. You're not the crutch in their life. That's God's job. You're taking a position that doesn't belong to you. I don't know where you are and I don't know where you find yourself, but I can tell you this because I believe this. The Holy Spirit gave me this message. And so this week, you're going to find yourself in some cocoons. Get out of the cocoon. It may not be comfortable. It may not be easy, but start to make a decision. When I move forward in life, I'm stepping out of the cocoon. Why? Because I don't want to live as a caterpillar anymore. I want to fly. But it's going to take some effort on my part. It's easy to live in the cocoon. It's safe to live in the cocoon. My normal is in the cocoon. But if you want to fly, you're going to have to get out of there. Emmanuel, 
Christ with us. You know what he's saying? I come to give you wings. I've come to let you fly. I've come to liberate you from your past. I've come to give you freedom. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've come to introduce you to what it is to live and to journey with prosperity. Whatever you're facing today, whatever your reality may be, I can tell you this. If you will link with the greater one walking with you, you'll be amazed at what your future looks like. Don't be uncomfortable if he starts doing some stuff in your life. You know why? It's preparation for more gifting. Embrace it. Wow. God can't wait. He's building my capacity so he can give me some more. Have a wonderful Christmas. Celebrate the greater one. Celebrate Emmanuel. Celebrate the greatest gift that you and I have. We don't only get to know, we don't only get to know him, but we get to journey with him. Let's close our eyes. Father, I just want to thank you that you loved us so very much that you gave your son. On this very special occasion, we celebrate you today, Jesus. We just want to thank you for coming and taking on flesh. We just want to thank you that your love for us was so overwhelming that you were prepared to take on human dimensions. so that you could be with us. I pray that in the year ahead, it will be overtly aware of your presence with us. I thank you for your guiding. I thank you for your leading. I thank you for introducing us to newness. I pray that everybody out here will have the courage to be able to step into the invitation that you extend to them. I want to thank you, Father, for people who grow up in two dimensions. I pray that you open people's eyes and so the realities that they face are not viewed from simply the human dimension but married to you and your perspective. I bless you and thank you for this. We celebrate the greatest gift mankind ever received. In Jesus' name, amen.